Welcome into another episode here of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs, and we are inside now the three-week mark here before the season ends on October 1st. Today is September 14th, Thursday morning uh, here for Spilly and I, and the news just keeps coming in, and unfortunately for the Texas Rangers, some really bad news here regarding Max Scherzer. A couple of starts ago, uh, Max Scherzer had complained about some forearm pain, which got everybody uh, really concerned. He had pitched well in that game, but did not pitch well in the next game. That was the game against uh, the Houston Astros, uh, where he gave up seven, only lasted three innings. Now he was pitching the other night in Toronto and pitching well, not getting a lot of swing and miss, but he was pitching well, had to come out of the game with an injury. He thought it was his tricep. Uh, We come to find out that it is that uh, terrorist major strain. And uh, the news for the Rangers is that Max Scherzer out for the rest of the year, very likely out for any postseason run. They don't see him again uh, until next year, now along with uh, Jacob DeGrom. But some brutal news, Spilly, for uh, the Rangers. Another injury, even though they've been playing some pretty good baseball, taking three out of four from Toronto so far, which has been big. Uh, the bad news and losing another top of the rotation arm uh, comes in for Chris Young and his club. Well, and, and this goes to why trying to keep that that first spot in the division is so important. Now you're you're fighting for your playoff lives. It's a, you're kind of forced to to push players a little bit harder than I mean, if if the Rangers end up falling short of the postseason, what a disappointing year. I mean, and you understand that. Same with if Toronto falls short because there's a chance that Toronto falls short. I don't see Houston falling out of it, but uh, Seattle would be in that mix too. Any one of those three teams extremely disappointing, extremely disappointing. And unfortunately, one of those teams uh, is going to be out. And so as I'm watching it and I'm trying to figure out, okay, out of, out of those three group, out of those three teams, Toronto, Seattle, and Texas, which team can sustain the most amount of injuries going into the last two weeks. And, and I do think that Texas is in, is, is actually in the better position to be able to lose Max Scherzer just given the fact that their their pitching depth is still there, um, I, I know I've I've openly thought out loud when it comes to older pitchers that I I always have major concerns. Like I, I was concerned about Jacob Degrom, even though I love the high end. I was concerned when the Rangers traded for Max Scherzer just because of age and wear and tear. Um, I don't like saying I told you so because that's not what I'm doing here at all. I'm just pointing out that there is a risk in having these high-end pitchers that are older. We just know it. And mm-hmm. and it's not like it's not like there isn't other organizations that have younger pitchers that aren't getting injured. Just look at the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, Shane McClanahan, Shane McClanahan Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, um, those guys are way younger than than both Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. It's just hard to figure it out, right? Like, you know, I think if somebody gets hurt, you're always looking for, well, why? Uh, you know, it's if 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 he if he gets hurt and he's young, it's like, well, he didn't have a he didn't have a bunch of pitch count. You know, like maybe they push him too hard if he's old and he gets hurt. Well, it's because he's old and he's got a lot of wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think no matter what people will find an excuse. So you tell me, I mean, with with Scherzer down, who fills in that role and and how do they survive the next two weeks? So they have the pieces to do it. The other wrinkle in this, though, is Nate Evaldi, who's going tonight in the final game of the series against the Toronto Blue Jays, who has been slowly pitching up, excuse me, uh, building up his pitch count. He did not have a rehab assignment after dealing uh, with an injury. He was out uh, just under two months, about seven weeks or so, and went 35 pitches in his first game, I believe around 50 uh, in the last one. And so if you can get him up to 
you know, 65, 70, and you're getting close to uh, back to normal, that would be a huge help. That, that kind of works along with this because there are pieces that they have uh, that are currently not in the rotation. Martin Perez had a monster season last year, hasn't been able to quite repeat it, uh, but he has been in the bullpen for a little while. Andrew Heaney just went into the bullpen. Uh, Cody Bradford is an option as well. Three guys that are on the active roster right now that are in the bullpen that could all start uh, some more experienced uh, than others. The question then becomes, though, uh, Andrew Heaney, for me, has become a looks like a real weapon in the pen. And we've seen that right with that upshoot fastball in the slider, a two or three inning outing for him in value situations, right? And high leverage situations actually matter. So he's also a guy that you like the idea of bridging the gap with, say, till Nate Evaldi gets that pitch count all the way back up. Uh, they need a starter Saturday against the Cleveland Guardians. There's no off days coming up until uh, next Thursday. And so they have a run here straight Oof. of games. I don't think they're calling anybody up. Uh, from the minor leagues. I think they wait to see how things go with Evaldi tonight. If all the other guys kind of stay intact and quite honestly, even if Andrew Heaney has to give you two innings, uh, he can probably come back a day rest and give you another one or two if you need to. I think they may just piece it together at least this one time through. And that's just strictly a guess uh, against the guardians. You're not going to ask Cody Bradford to give you five. You're not going to ask Martin Perez to give you five. Now, if one of those guys starts the game and they're rolling and you get out to a big lead, then sure you can do it. Um, but I think it's a real possibility that we see multiple guys, you know, especially two guys giving you maybe three innings before you turn it over uh, to the rest of the bullpen arm. So I, we'll see. But my guess is that's probably the way that they could do it right now. I think they'd be the most efficient. But a lot of that has to do with what happens tonight. Uh, you still have Jordan Montgomery, John Gray, Dane Dunning in that rotation. Montgomery was really good yesterday. A nice bounce back for him against the Blue Jays. previous two weren't uh, his best, but he's been a really nice asset as well. It's just crazy to think the names that the Rangers have acquired since last offseason from a rotation mm. standpoint, uh, and this depth is really getting tested. We don't even talk about Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi was traded from the Atlanta Braves to be the depth piece, you know, quite honestly. And Dane Dunning was out a spot based on how the offseason uh, had gone. And yet here we are now. No joke. Jake Odorizzi hadn't pitched all year. He won't. He got hurt before the season uh, started. Uh, Jacob DeGrom on the IL. Uh, now Max Scherzer is out. And uh, it has been wild. But they've continued to add. And uh, depth of rotation has been big. So I actually like the idea. Again, just my idea. I haven't heard anything yet. of just maybe trying to piece the first one together on Saturday against the Guardians. Uh, I know we don't generally love that philosophy. But I no. think in this situation, it works for at least one game. Yeah. I, and I'm with you too. Uh, if you have enough bullpen and, you know, Ochi's pulling the strings, then you can survive it. You also have a, an offense and you get this with, with Texas where um, their offense, and it's good to see Jonah Heim back. Uh, it's good to see this, this, you know, the lineup kind of back to where it was back to form. It's also crazy to think I saw this the other day, Marcus Simeon is now passed. Uh, Corey Seager and wins above replacement mm. in war on uh, on baseball reference and and Seager's putting up a, a massive year right like yeah. he's gonna win a batting title possibly in the American League uh, and now Marcus Simeon is passing him with the production that he's been capable of doing it it's been at least you you have the the offense that even if the pitching isn't at a hundred percent even if you're you're sure a pitcher or two or you have to use the bullpen for a game or two, hopefully that offense is able to, you know, score five, six runs a game, maybe not to the level that we saw the first four months of the year, but at least they have it in them mm -hmm. that they can do it. And, and so, I mean, I, I really do think Texas is in a, I, I don't want to say a prime location because there's still two weeks to go. And it just, it's just 
wild watching this entire wild card thing play out, both in the American League and National League. It's so much fun. But Toronto's been hit or miss. Uh, I mean, Seattle, the offense finally, you know, picked up the other day, but they, they're weird. They go, they win seven straight, they lose five. It's like, it makes no sense. You're like, okay, here we go. Oh, nope. See what Toronto, you're like, oh, here they go. Nope. I, yeah. I don't, I, I literally cannot put a, a finger on some of these teams. They're like, start, stop. They're like the worst person to drive behind. Gas, gas, break, <laughs> gas, gas, break. Like if you're in the car with Toronto or Seattle, you're car sick. You have the window rolled down and you're fed up. You're like, I cannot yeah. wait for the rest stop and, and let somebody else drive. Yeah, I'm with you. And the Blue Jays in particular, after dropping these first three, I think have some serious question marks and trying to figure uh, this thing out. The offense has sputtered. It's been inconsistent. Uh, Davis Snyder's been a really nice story, but uh, there's been some guys that are that are really scuffling. And then I was talking on Toronto radio yesterday and I said, well, you know, the upside, if you look at the last three weeks or so, up and down the line, they're killing left-handed pitching. Like, they're putting up huge numbers against lefties, hitting nearly 300 up and down the line. Most of the guys have posted big numbers, and then Jordan Montgomery shut them down yesterday, right? So even the things that on paper look like they've been going well, uh, not going well here for uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. And so as we sit here and try to, you know, handicap this thing, I think two things, one thing that works against them. They have six games against the Tampa Bay Rays the rest of the way. And I don't know what to make of six games against the New York Yankees, quite honestly. It's certainly not what it used to be. But everything after this game tonight against the Rangers are American League uh, East matchups. So it's Boston, New York, Tampa, back to New York, and then back to uh, playing the Blue Jays to finish out the season. Uh, Excuse me, the Tampa Bay Rays to finish out the season. I don't know what to make of how things are going to go for them. They can hopefully look at the seven games that the Rangers and the Mariners still have against each other and say, well, if they beat each other up, then we got to take advantage of that because that's the way that they'll be uh, able to get in. But they're, I think they're definitely in a in a, a little bit of a pinch here. Uh, of course, I want to see the Rangers win, but the Blue Jays have got to find a way uh, to win tonight when we look big picture. Um, 81 wins right now for both the uh, Rangers and the Mariners, uh, which is great for me, Spilly, because now for the first time in seven years, the Rangers will be over 500, or at least 500. Even if they lose every game the rest of the way, uh, they will be a 500 team. They hadn't done that uh, the seven years I've been calling games for them. The other thing is people looking at the stands and saying, well, you're only one back of the Houston Astros and mm-hmm. Astros right now, and they're actually two games. It's in the win column, so you feel like you kind of control your own destiny. Uh, you do not because the Rangers do not have the tiebreaker. So the only way they win the division is that they win it outright. Outright. Uh, they, they cannot tie um, the Houston Astros. But I'm with you on being a little bit concerned about uh, the Seattle Mariners right now and trying to get uh, their act together. Uh, that is uh, that is an issue. A team, though, Spilly, nobody's concerned about right now unless you're an opponent. Uh, is the Atlanta Braves. They did it again. Pretty incredible. I mean, what is it? Back to back to back to back to back. Six Six. consecutive uh, division championships. This organization for, you know, for all the the people that that say, oh, money ball, you know, get an Oakland A's um, executive, get a Tampa Bay Rays exec, uh, Mm. go to the Dodgers, you know, get somebody that, that, you know, from one of these organizations that's so good. You almost never here, go get an Atlanta Braves exec. And and the Houston Astros did last year, if you remember, Dana Brown uh, ended up being the general manager after James Click said, see you mm-hmm. later. Um, I think in the case of Atlanta, what stands out about this organization, number one is they play their players every single day. And, and like Brian Snickers probably going to get some votes for manager of the year. I don't think he deserves it. I really don't. <laughs> I, like, and I, and I do it tongue in cheek, but at yeah. the same time, it's like, come on. 
he writes one lineup up and then that's it. Like Austin Riley's going to play every day. Great player. Ronald Acuna is going to play every day. MVP. Ozzy Albies is going to play every day. Great player. I mean, like up and down the lineup. Now, in the case of like Marcelo Zuna, and, and this one's always been hard for me to talk about because, uh, I mean, there's the there's the background of the domestic violence and 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 all that stuff. It's like, God, you know, like those type of guys, you, you like they, you can't root for them. Like mm. it's it's hard to root for anybody like that, especially given the background. And then you find out from, you know, like not to make light of it because I'm not. But you find out that like Marcelo Zuna is like instrumental in the turnaround for Matt Olson this season, in the turnaround for Michael Harris the second. Um, there was a time in in the month of April that I believe Ozuna had 17 hits. Ozuna had a homestand where he had 17 hits. Hmm. Uh, the lineup is 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 crazy, and so it's it's strange to have that player, but then no you know, on the positive side that he's been good in it. And clearly like Atlanta Braves fans um, looking at this team and, and how they, they view them. I mean, this is a world series or bus team. This has been a, the best team in, in baseball since April, um, how they've gone about their business, uh, how they celebrate, how they celebrate as a team. There's an older bullpen. Um, there's a young starting rotation, how they built this core again, like using Atlanta and the executives as an example, how they've gone about their business and building this team, a winner six consecutive years as a division champ in the American, in the national league East with the Mets and the Phillies. It's, I mean, it's worth the applause. They've gotten better. Mm -hmm. They've gotten better in all their decision-making from Sean Murphy to Matt Olson, moving on from Freddie Freeman. It's worked. It has worked. Yeah, don't forget Perry Manassian came over right from the Atlanta Braves as well with that scouting uh, background. Uh, was Blue Jays, uh, Braves, and then heading over now leading uh, the Angels. But the thing that I, listen, listen, there's a ton of things that stick out, right? Ele- uh, ten guys that have ten or more home runs. They got a legitimate shot of having nine guys with twenty or more uh, home runs. That is an absurd uh, number. They've had to battle through some of the starting pitching stuff you mentioned. Uh, the young guys, but you really look uh, for the most part up and down the line, and guys really have. Uh, contributed in big ways, but they've also had to ask a lot of guys um, to start. I believe it's 16 different guys that have made at least one start uh, this year. Sometimes it's been the opener situation, but they've had to battle some of the injuries there and you know, doing it without Michael Soroka and others that have been important uh, in the past, but they are in a really good position. But here's the thing that uh, kind of jumps out to me a little bit. I remember having a conversation as they went through all of these contracts right we're looking at the Braves and going man you know Austin Riley locked in Matt Olson traded uh locked in they already had done the Osuna deal they traded for Rysela Iglesias he already it was in year one of a four-year deal the Acuna deal of course going to be uh one of the greatest heists of all time uh Sean Murphy Spencer Strider uh even uh thinking about Ozzy Albies like what a great deal that has been you look at all of those and I remember someone saying to me well there's no way they're all going to work out It's got to be one or two that are not going to just, I mean, law of averages say, you know, one or two are not going to work out. I mean, Michael Harris got off to such a slow start this year. At one point, you're like, oh, well, maybe it's this one. He's now hitting two over 290. Like he's having a great year. As a nine hole hitter. That's crazy. He'd be, he'd be most teams three hole. I know it, man. I don't, but I guess my point is though, I, as it stands now a year ago, I would have said, listen, one of these is not going to work out. I don't think I feel that way anymore. A year later going, I'm not sure if you had to pick one, that you were like, ah, they, maybe they'll regret doing that team-friendly deal, that long-term extension. I don't have one for you. Do you? No. 
I, I don't have one either. And CJ, one of the things that stood out as we were heading towards trade deadline, and you remember this, was uh, the Travis Darno deal. You remember Travis Darno got an extension, and mm-hmm. you're like, man, why are they extending him when they already have Sean Murphy? And I was like, dude, you guys don't get it. Catchers are a tandem. And when you have a veteran catcher paired with a guy that plays virtually every single day, um, and if he if he pops, you know, if he if he ends up hitting for homers, like you have the perfect pair mm. between the two. Like if you were to combine Darno and and Sean Murphy, that's thirty one home runs from the catcher's position. It's, it's like like oh yeah, we're like like the Braves are going to trade from this. I was like, no, they're not. You don't understand like how they built this thing has really been intelligent. It's been shrewd. It's been smart. It's been impactful. They've understood the assignment. They've, they've gone about this thing, building a team that's championship caliber with depth pieces. They beat you in the margins. They beat you straight up. Um, Yeah. I mean, like I, I think there's one team in the postseason that could possibly knock them out. And it, and it's the dark horse. It's the Milwaukee Brewers. That's the only team out there. I think Philadelphia has a good chance to go toe to toe with them, but the Braves own them, uh, which is why like the Rob Thompson conversation is so funny to me, uh, because uh, you know as as the Braves won their sixth division in in Philadelphia, and this happened two days ago when Ronald Cunha hit his thirty seventh home run. Mm. He goes around and and he. He's hitting all the all all the greats, right? Like he's hitting all the moves from the NBA, the cold as ice, you're small, the burr, I mean, like all these things. And um, you know, he's flapping his wings around second base because that's what the Braves do. Um, they when they hit homers, they flap their arms and then they look at out the bullpen. And usually, if you remember, like early on in the year, um, when Jesse Chavez was hurt, they would bring out the, they would bring out the dummy and they would wave him around. And so like they've been doing these celebrations on homers for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Topper got offended with, with Acuna because he's doing all of his stuff. And he says, I just wish, you know, they would act like they've done it before. Yeah. These guys have done it before over and over and over and over again at a historic pace. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this just felt like, you know, like crying over spilt milk. Uh, this kind of felt like, you know, like you're tired of getting your, your tail handed to you by the Braves. I'm, I'm sick of these guys. Um, this felt more, um, you know, like, like schoolyard childish kind of response versus, um, you know, versus the latter. Like, I, I don't really think that Rob Thompson, especially given his team too, right? Like their, their guys celebrate when they hit homers too. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this one, this one fell a little out of touch, but I also understood because, how do you not have a response when you're sick and tired of watching this team run around the bases on you? Yeah, I saw him kind of uh, backtrack a little bit or clarify. And he said, he goes, didn't I say I just like in general when guys act like they've been there before and then it came up again in his uh, media scrum the next day and he really downplayed. He's like, you know, I didn't really think it was a big controversy. I was just more talking about, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm an old school guy. I like the old way. I understand that's not the way uh, anymore. He's like, our guys will celebrate too uh, in really big moments, but you know, it's not my favorite, but you know, the game has changed. I think he was pretty <clears throat> honest about that part. And uh, Rob Thompson's been a great story here the last couple of years for the Philadelphia Phillies. But I think it's, it's across the board for the most part. 
is that anybody that has been around for a long time, been in the game for a long time, and came up a certain way, they get it. If people are accepting of what's going on. Doesn't mean they necessarily uh, love it, but they know that the game has moved in a different direction. Rob even mentioned that pretty specifically. One last thing here after the Braves clinched uh, for the sixth straight year winning a, a, Nash, a National League East title, uh, second quickest they have ever done it. Uh, in their franchise's history, but there was a uh, big congratulations to the Atlanta Braves on the scoreboard because it was in Philadelphia, uh, which understandably so doesn't take much, but upset some Philadelphia Phillies fans. If you clinch a division on the road or you win a postseason series, a World Series, whatever it may be on the road, should the opposing team congratulate you on the big screen? Yes, they should. Yeah. Do they go they crazy? Do you do like a really kind of plain, almost like a happy birthday, uh, Bob? Yeah. Oh, congratulations, Braves. Do you do like one that's got like, you know, big graphics and, you know, looks really like big and fancy? Or do you keep it simple just to try to keep it classy, but not to go off your fans too much? I, I think you do classy. Congratulations, 2023 uh, National League East Division Champ. I mean, that's that's what it is. Uh, you don't need to have, you know, you're not ringing the bell. You're not firing off fireworks. Mm-hmm. And we also have seen in the last 10 years, CJ, like we clinched when we clinched in the the National League Championship back in 2007, we clinched at home. I clinched, clinched in Colorado. So, um, we, you know, you take a team photo on the field, but you, you like very rarely. And, and this started happening the last couple of years where teams celebrate on the field. They actually take a team photo. Usually, like, the, the mm-hmm. team photo happened after you go into the clubhouse, you celebrate, you pop champagne, then you come back out. What a lot of organizations are doing now is that they're doing it with the players. They celebrate on the field. They stay yeah. on the field. They bring friends and family on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they take a team photo on the field. So even if they're, in a, if they're in Yankee Stadium, if they're in Houston, if they're wherever the heck they are, yeah. they are going to take a picture as a team on your field, on your field. And so, so if you it. are, yeah, you're going to wear it. <laughs> you're yeah. not going to like it. it, but it's standard play. And if you are the Philadelphia Phillies and you clinch the division next year in Atlanta, you better damn well expect that the Atlanta Braves would put a congratulations, Philadelphia Phillies, 2024 National League East division winner. Mm-hmm. And you can celebrate on the field. You take your photo and in the background, you get that, that nice classy shot of the division championship in the background on the scoreboard. That's standard play. I mean, that, that should be standard. Yep. I think you're right. It was fun. It was, I might've been, I saw one of the Philadelphia Phillies blogs seemed really upset about it. Seemed angry. And you know, it comes along with the territory, I guess sometimes as a Philly fan uh, and not enjoying six straight years of a team within your division, the Atlanta Braves uh, winning that division title, man, they are poised. Uh, once again, for a deep run, great year for them, and it is not over yet. Now they have a chance to to be a little bit of a spoiler too, uh, the rest of the way. But they will be uh, the high seed in the National League as they clinch on September 13th, uh, with about two and a half weeks to go. Most teams sitting around somewhere between 15 and 18 games left. Uh, it is getting uh, wild for sure. All right, that'll do it uh, for us today here on the Negative or Positive Vibes uh, podcast. You can catch Billy and I on Loud Outs on MLB Network Radio, two to five Eastern time on MLB Network Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 89. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Negative War Positive Vibes Podcast.